you can turn to Romans chapter 12 and while you turn to Romans chapter 12, I'll give you the text in just a few moments, but I'm gonna give you some text on the way to the text tonight. And uh, I, I just, the more I prayed about it, sought God, the more I felt compelled to go in this direction. I know that probably a lot of it, you've heard it already, but I pray that God will bless it tonight as we look together in his word. Uh, you, you know, there's some passages of scripture when I look at them right, right off. Most of you can either quote it or you know it. If you don't quote it and you don't know it and you're saved, you know you have it. You may not know it word for word, but you've experienced it firsthand. You know, like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Yeah, all things are passed away and behold, all things are become, yeah. Or, you know, we could talk about like uh, Ezekiel 36, 26. He said, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh. And then he says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But then that text, chapter 12 and verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I wanna focus on the word, just one word out of that second verse, and that is the word transformed. Now there's a lot of blessings that come from being saved. The blessing that we don't have to go to hell. The blessing that there's a heaven at the end of the journey. The blessing that we have peace in our heart with God and peace with others. The blessing of the wonderful protection of God that's there for his children. But I could go on and on naming the blessing, but I wanna focus in on one. I don't know about you, but one of the great blessings of salvation is the change that takes place. There is a change when Jesus comes into our life. I don't care if you were a good person or if you feel like you were the worst sinner that had ever walked on this earth. If you were bad, he made you good when you got saved. And if you were good, he made you better when you got saved. But I'll guarantee you this, there was a change when Jesus came into your life. Nobody will ever meet Jesus and not experience a change. Years ago when I was a boy growing up, I know Ted and Marty's here tonight, and my dad pastored over at Union for many years. And there was a fellow there that every now and then he would stand up to give a testimony. His testimony was probably the shortest testimony that I'd ever heard in church. But after all these years, I can't remember a lot of long-winded testimonies, but I still remember his. He's been with the Lord for years. I preached his wife's funeral, got to be her pastor later on at Rubyville, but every now and then the Spirit of God would move on him. He'd stand up, he'd be real quiet all over the church, and all of a sudden you'd hear him say, no change, no Jesus. And he'd sit right back down. You know what he was saying? 
There's a change when Jesus comes into our life. I have a friend that he said, thank God even the dog knew when I got saved. I came home that night. Uh, he said, my wife and kids didn't hide from me, wondering if I was drunk. Uh, the dog didn't have to worry about me abusing it. Said even the dog knew there was a change when I met Jesus. I'm telling you, there is a change when Jesus comes into our life. And for some reason, he uses the word transformed in this passage. I, I don't want to bore you with uh, with a lot of information, but, but, but if, you, if you ever have time to do a study on that word transformed, yeah. it, it comes from the Greek word metamorphal. And the word metamorphal is the word that we get metamorphosis from. Uh, yeah. So he says, really, when you come to Christ, when you meet the Lord, you're not conformed to this world. But there is a change, a metamorphosis. The old person, the new person. The old you, the new you. It's the same me to look at me, but I'm not the same me. My heart has changed, my mind has changed. Everything about me, my desires have changed. I can remember, you know, being raised in a pastor's home. Uh, people are a lot different today than they used to be. Uh, we hear about the good old days, but everything about the old days wasn't all good. And one of the things was, was that uh, there was a lot of people in churches that they just hadn't had a change. And unfortunately, they got positions in the church that sometimes they run the church. Now, I was a sinner. And every time my dad would run into one of those people, he would love them, but I wanted to beat them up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd sometimes say to him, why do you take that off of them? He said, when you get right with God, son, you'll understand. But I wasn't right with God at that point, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand why people talked about pastors. I didn't understand why people run others down. Boy, where's all that shouting at now? I just didn't understand that. I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, you're talking about love, but you're not practicing love. And he said, when you get saved, you'll know the difference. And I remember when I got saved, I used to, I'd look around and I'd point out people and I'd say, boy, if I could ever get them alone, I'd like to just give them a piece of my mind. And I'd think about how mean they were and how cruel they were. But then I remember after I got saved, you know something, those same people looked like angels to me. The change wasn't in them, the change was in me. And there is a change when Jesus comes into our life. Well, how do you explain the change? In the book of Job chapter 12, he said, if you ever have a question that you don't know about, he said, just look to God's creation. The birds of the air will teach you. The beast of the field will tell you. God says, if you just look around at what I've made, you'll understand the kind of change that I can make in you. So when I was praying about this sermon several months ago, God began to deal with my heart about, about butterflies. And I got intrigued in a study of uh, monarch butterflies. And, and I started studying all the good news is it don't take me very long to cover this unless you act like you didn't get the point. <laughs> then we're gonna be here a long time tonight. 
Well, how do you know if I got the point? You'll shake your head or you'll smile or you'll say amen or you'll shout. Amen. amen. Yeah, some of you want to go home already. I hear shouting. <laughs> Praise God. But I begin to look at that and I guess that best describes metamorphosis. See, a caterpillar don't start, a, a butterfly doesn't start out as a butterfly starts out as a caterpillar. And the caterpillar, after, I've only preached this one other time, and after I preached it, somebody was kind enough that they brought me a chrysalis that is already formed, a lady in our area, and, and it, was, it was wonderful. We watched, we watched the butterflies hatch out, my wife and I. It was wonderful. And through this process of this change, this, uh, this caterpillar, the first thing it does, in our area, they love milkweed. Monarch butterfly love milkweed when they're a caterpillar. That's, they, they love. And what they do is they gorge themselves on their surroundings. So it starts out with a worm that gorges themselves on the world around them. That's us. We are the, we are the lowest of the low without Jesus. No wonder the songwriter said, for such a worm as I. Because he knew we are the lowest of the lowest. And you know what? And in that sinful stage, we're like that caterpillar. We gorge ourselves on this world. We can't get enough of it. We've got to have more of it. And the more we get, the more we want. And we keep eating and we keep eating, thinking that the world's going to satisfy us. Well, the world may fill you up for a little while, but it won't change you. So finally that caterpillar reaches a place where it says I wasn't destined to be a worm, a caterpillar. I was meant to fly in the heavenlies. So it starts a process of a change. The first thing that it does is it sheds its skin. It sheds its skin and forms what is called a chrysalis. Now don't confuse a butterfly with a moth. The, 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 the butterfly, the monarch butterfly is not a, a moth. They, they enjoy the night. They're nocturnal. Butterflies, they enjoy the daylight. Uh, moths, they always, when they rest, they have their wings out. In other words, they're showing all of them that there is. Butterflies, when they rest, their wings come together above their head and point toward heaven. When you're in that stage where that you're consumed with yourself, you're trying to show the world how big you are. But when you meet Jesus and there's a change, all you want to do is point toward him. A moth, they, they develop their cocoon out of silk. But a, but a monarch butterfly, it doesn't have a cocoon, it has a chrysalis. It actually sheds its skin, turns it inside out. In other words, the skin, the flesh is dying. If the flesh don't die, there can't be a change. Their outside is not silk, it is protein. And then it is attached by one small piece. It'll find a little twig or it'll find a ledge and it'll attach itself by one small piece. And this is too good, only Jesus. Only Jesus could have talked about the change that, that takes place when he comes. When they attach themselves, that caterpillar, so help me, 
they form a J. Look it up. You love to Google anyway. Look it up. They form a J. Why? Because it all starts with Jesus. If there's a change, it'll start with him. And then that skin envelops them into this chrysalis. This chrysalis becomes their home. Inside of that, they are now now in the process of a great change that will take place. The word chrysalis is a Greek word that that, that simply means golden crown. On that chrysalis, before that caterpillar converts into that butterfly, it has a crown, a golden crown. That golden crown really has a purpose. It provides the oxygen to that caterpillar as it changes. It gives it the air that it needs. Through Jay, the wind that it needs to convert into what God really intended for it to be. But it's still not a butterfly. It finally reaches the place where that now it breaks open that crown. When it's born, it comes out of the crown. It is crowned. But when it breaks open, that chrysalis, it secretes a red liquid. It's called meconium. And if you've ever seen where the monarch butterflies are, you wonder if they've been around your place. If you look on the ledge of your siding, it'll be stained red because that red liquid has to be there for that red, for that caterpillar to be born out of that chrysalis. I'm about to preach. By the way, if there's ever a change in your life and if you're ever crowned, it'll be because of a red liquid. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that saves our soul. That's the only way to be saved. Now it comes out as a beautiful butterfly. It stretches its wings that are curled. The air hits it and it begins to straighten. Hard to believe it is the same. Has anybody ever looked at you and said, you know there's something different about you. You're not the same person that you used to be. There's been a change in your life. I wish you'd help me preach tonight. Thank God everything changes. Now when it comes out, nothing is the same. It's not only beautiful, but it no longer wants to eat its surroundings. The butterfly don't want to eat it. Now it's very particular on what it eats. In fact, I was amazed to read this. Do you know that now that the butterfly, when it was a caterpillar, it just gorged itself on the world. But now that it's a butterfly, it tastes with its feet. That means it only walks where it wants to eat. There's some places if you walk there, you're not gonna feed well. So it watches where, and by the way, it now smells through its antenna. In other words, the sweet savor comes from above. Everything around it don't smell good now. 
It's what comes from above that smells good to the butterfly. That's what develops its taste and develops its smell. It has scales. If you look at it under a microscope, it has all of these scales that's on it. And they're beautiful. Those scales are there for, for various reasons. It gives it its different color that's there. And the colors are there to first of all camouflage it. The butterfly can land on just the right environment and blend in until its predators can't see it any longer. Can I tell you something? The devil will still come looking for you, but he can't find you when you've been covered by the blood. Sometimes God puts us in a hiding place and says, I'm gonna shelter you. I'm gonna camouflage you. I'm telling you, the Lord takes care of his own. And you know, it's not only protected by those scales, but another thing, butterflies can see a light that nobody else can see. We can't see it as a human. It's an ultraviolet light. And that ultraviolet light is absorbed into those scales. And the reason that's important is that that makes that butterfly stand out to other butterflies. And butterflies recognize each other by the light that soaks into the scales. That's how they know one another. <laughs> how do we know we pass from death unto life? Because we love the brother. Have you ever been somewhere in a public environment, somebody beside of you, you don't know their name, you don't know anything about them, but all of a sudden they look at you and they say, you're a Christian, aren't you? And you look at them and say, you're a Christian. How do you know one another? I tell you what it is, it's the light that reflects on us. The world sees it and doesn't understand it, but the Lord says, you'll recognize one another by the light that's on you and the light that's in you. The other thing about it, they not only recognize one another by the light pattern, but the butterfly, it, uh, in its mouth, when it's time to eat, I don't want to use the word tongue, but I don't know any other word to use, it almost becomes like a straw, and it, uh, it's rolled up in its mouth. And when it is time to eat the sweet nectar, its tongue unrolls out of its mouth collects the nectar and rolls back up. I'm preaching right now. Some people need to roll their tongue up. If we spend much time talking about how good it is to be saved and how wonderful that Jesus is and how great heaven's gonna be and less time talking about others, I think life would be a lot sweeter to us. I know, I know that we look around and we see things that's wrong and it's out there, but the truth of the matter is each one of us has a big enough job taking care of ourselves. I don't wanna spend my time feeding on the carcasses of this world. I wanna enjoy the sweet things of the Lord and God every now and then says hey you know what you did you paid a price to be out of community Bible tonight so what you ought to do is just unroll your tongue and soak in a little bit of the sweetness of God and let him fill your heart and feed your soul if you're looking for something sweet the Lord has it tonight Amen. 
I'm, I'm being sincere here. How many of you been changed? I mean changed. When the devil says you, you, you're just the same person you used to be, you know better than that. You know that you've been changed. Glory to God. I'm telling you, we ought to stop right now and shout for a little while that we're not the person that we used to be. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Thank God there's been a change in me and the Lord will change you too. Then we deal with these situations like today. And then Saturday, we will be at a funeral for another one of our dear folks, David Houston, that died. David just lived around the corner from me. We called him in love, the mayor of Rubyville. He'd tell everybody, Cal, tell him who I am. I said, he's the mayor of Rubyville. David was pure, he loved the Lord. Nothing fake, nothing phony. He was real. I used to tell him all the time, I said, Dave, every now and then he'd say, you know, someone made fun of me. I said, let him make fun of you. I said, Dave, I believe in heaven, you're gonna be my boss. <laughs> and I know we laugh about it, but I, I'm not so sure of that. Pure in heart. David went to be with the Lord. Rodney, I miss him there in his wheelchair. He was always the first to encourage you when you came out of the pulpit. He was the first to encourage any preacher that came into this place. And probably if he didn't encourage you, you probably didn't do too good. That's just a fact. He wouldn't say nothing bad, but he would encourage you. But you see, wouldn't it be a terrible thing if the only change we had I mean, it'd be worth it to live for Jesus if we just had the change of heart and the change, and he says he changes our heart from stone to heart of flesh. I mean, that'd be worth it all. And, and to have the change in our life, change in our attitude, change in our love, it'd be worth it if that was all there was. But he said the greatest metamorphosis is yet to come. Rodney just experienced it. Janet, she just experienced it. David just experienced it. If you have loved ones that went to be with the Lord in the past or in recent days, they've already experienced it if they knew the Lord. And he said the greatest change is yet to come and we don't understand it because we're not there. But the apostle penned the word, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. I don't know about you, I thank God that he changed me when he saved me, but I'm waiting on another change to come. And when the other change comes, thank God there'll be no more pills, no more diabetes, there'll be no more blood disorder, there'll be no more damage to your nervous system, there'll be no 
more weakness. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. Thank God you talk about a change when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a change. What a change. I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> That's dangerous. But I want you to hear me before I close. I, I don't know, and, and please, if you disagree with me, I, I don't want to argue with you. I don't mean it that way. But the grace of God is greater than my understanding. Even though I've experienced it, it's greater than my understanding. And the mercy of God, it endures forever. We're in a horrible shape in this nation. And we're not in a horrible shape for the reason that a lot of you think we're in a horrible shape. We're in a horrible shape because the spirit of the Antichrist is spreading throughout the land. Rebellion, lawlessness, evil, wickedness. Jesus said there's going to be some things that's happening and it's happening right before our eyes. But the grace of God. God said, yeah, look out there, it's bad. You got drug addiction, you can't do anything about it, seems like. It's a plague on our society. I'm not talking harsh to anyone. Now, you mark it down. I started preaching it a year ago. There is a spirit you say, I don't believe in spirits. You better be careful. There is a spirit that is moving into our area that's causing suicidal tendencies. It's happening. It's not only happening here, it's happening across the nation. There's, there's popular people that'll win major awards one day and kill themselves the next day. You know why? The world's not satisfying them. They're looking for something. And God in his grace, and I know everybody wants to take the credit and everybody wants to point at one place and say right there's where it started. It didn't start at one location, it started in heaven. But God in his grace is sending revival right now to America. It's spreading. Revival like I had seen when I was a boy and a preacher starting out 46 years ago, revival is in the land. I don't want our area to miss it. Now it's not, it's not limited to one location. Josh is here tonight, he gotta go with me down North Carolina, I was down North Carolina, and I'm telling you on Tuesday night, something happened. It started with about 75 to 100 young people that fell on the altars praying. You know the Lohr family well. Jake Wisnett that married Faith. Faith Lohr Wisnett. Jake fell face first on the floor praying and seeking God and laid there for 45 minutes or an hour and never moved. 
I'm scaring you now, aren't I? Sinners were crying out to God to save their soul. I left and I think the next night or the night after, 22 saved. First came repentance. Saying, God, we need a change. Repentance in God's people. Saying, Lord, we need to, we need to clear our schedule. We need to drop everything. There, there were was, there was some students that came into that meeting that they attend a, a liberal arts college just five or 10 miles away from the church there. When they came together, and there was such a spirit of revival there. And, and those students, they went to the, to the auditorium for prayer. They prayed all night long, prayed the next day. By the next night of that revival, they came back and reported 25 had been saved in that college. 21 had announced their call into the ministry. When I left town some 38 or 40 hours later, they were still in the chapel praying. That revival's still going on tonight. I come back over into Kentucky and on Saturday night, I know, I know how evangelists are. They make things up. I'm not making this up. If you would have been there, I'm glad some here tonight, they were there. Michael, Deborah, you can testify to it. Josh, you're here on the front. I'm telling you, 30 minutes before church, they had raised the windows. They opened the doors to the front porch. They opened the side doors. They put patio heaters outside. People stood in the cold with their head in the windows. They filled up the Sunday school rooms. And at the invitation, there was no begging and there was no pleading. One by one, they flooded to the altars, made their way out of crowds and seeking the Lord. I'm telling you, God's sending revival. Do you want to change in Lucasville? Do you want to change in your church? Do you want to change in your school? Do you want to change in your home? Do you want to change in your community? God says, I want to send a change. I'm gonna see just, I told you dangerous say I'm ready to close. Get ready, come get a song. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask something, don't raise your hand. You answer it in your heart. Whoever you have to sing, come around. Answer it in your heart. How many of you are tired of the same old, same old church? I'm not saying we've got bad churches or we're bad people. I'm just saying we need God to take over. You can get so used to the change of, of, that's brought about through salvation in your life that you'll forget there's a world out there that's lost that hasn't experienced that change. And the only testimony they have sometimes is not what we say, it's what they see in us. Change. Are you putting in your time, preacher? Just waiting on Jesus to call you? Or do you get up and preach like this is the last one? I'm saying this more and more. Hear me. You ought to be able to go to heaven from the last service that you were in. What do you mean by that? I'm already saved. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you ought to be able to meet God and say, Lord, I'm so glad that last service I was in last night, I didn't hold back anything. I mean, I praised you all I could praise you. I sang as loud as I could sing. I praised you as much as I could. I soaked in as much as your word as I could. I prayed as hard as I could. I'm telling you, don't hold back nothing this week. Nothing. Not emotionalism. Change. Change. 
Does there need to be a change in your, you're saved, but does there need to be a change in your family? Do you care that your lost loved ones aren't ready to go to heaven? Are you content that they're dying without Jesus? There's got to be a change. There's got to be a change. Do you enjoy going to church or are you just enduring going to church? Are you saying, I wish you'd put in this time and let's, let's just meet at, at 10 o'clock sharp and leave at 11 o'clock dull. I'm tired of that. We need a change. A change. 